Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera. I'm your co-host today, riding co-pilot to Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here on a nice, warm summer day. That's right. So, listen, we've been uh, grounded lately with the Book of Numbers, but it's okay. We're on the runway we're taxiing, and we're getting ready to take off into the Devarim world. That's right, folks. We're starting Deuteronomy this week, and I couldn't be more excited about it. I love Deuteronomy. So, uh, a couple things. First and foremost, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can get me at ryan at topraise.net. That's my email address, ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net. You can get me there. Um, also, uh, we are still in the three weeks of affliction. Now, I know that I sound... A little too excited for that, right? But um, fact of the matter is that uh, we have nothing to fear, but we need to have our spiritual antennas up. We need to be pressing into the things of God, doing our spiritual exercises. Um, and we do have the ninth of Av, which uh, commemorates the destruction of both temples and a myriad of other uh, travesties that have occurred over uh, the past few thousand years. Um, that's coming up this July 29th in the evening, the ninth of Av. And so um, the Jewish people uh, normally will uh, traditionally fast on that day. Um, it is not necessarily a requirement, but uh, it is something uh, that they do in order to remember the pain of losing the temple. And um, you know, when you think about how important the temple is, I could see I could see why why they do that. So, um, praise God. We also um, are still moving forward with the Book of Deuteronomy, and I'm excited about it. So. Uh, this week's Torah portion is called Devarim, which means words, and the uh, you can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, starting in chapter 1 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 3 and verse 22. Excelente, for those of you that are uh, Latino. So Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance, and uh, it's interesting that the book of Leviticus is broken up into two parts. The book of Numbers is three parts, so guess what the book of Deuteronomy is? It's broken up into four parts. Two, three, four. That's right. So we have this book of remembrance. And of course, the key words that are found in this particular book is, of course, remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. Five key words found in the book of Deuteronomy. To remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. So here are the four parts of the book of Deuteronomy. Chapters one through four is, of course, the remembrances of the past, a reflection of the past, remembrances of the past. Now then we get into part two, which is chapter four and verse 44, all the way through chapter 26. Commandments for the present. That's right, for today. That's right. And of course, part three will be chapters 27 through 30. These are options affecting the future. Options affecting the future. And uh, chapters 31 through 34 is the fourth and final part of the book of Deuteronomy. It's the conclusion 
the parting words of Moses. And so Moses died. So we're going to jump right into Deuteronomy here. And uh, what an exciting time to be living uh, as we see what's going on in our culture and with the manifestation of evil out in the streets in regards to looting and pillaging and all the other terrible things that are going on. Um, actually, protests gone south or gone bad. Uh, we're going to check out Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, Israel at Horeb. And Ryan is going to read those eight verses just to give us a little introduction as we look at uh, remembrances of the past. All right, let's do it. It says here, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. On this side, Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel, and Laban and Hezerot and Dizahab. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it, and it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto him, unto them. After he, said, uh, after he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt in Ashtarot, in Edrei, on this side, Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, by the, uh, by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. Wow. So once again, the time frame for the beginning of Deuteronomy is in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. So basically, we've got the month of Shavat and Adar before we go into Nisan, which is the biblical new year. Of course, uh, the celebrating of the spring feast with Pesach or Passover. So, so what are you saying, Pastor Nick? This timeline is very important. It's very critical because basically for two months, this book is, is being uh, read and, and produced. And, and there it is with Moses, you know. And then, of course, Joshua is going to take over and lead him into the promised land in the biblical new year. So this is incredible. These are the last words of a dying man. And very fascinating. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, Take you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. So once again, it's about undercover. It's about delegated authority. You know, when Jethro came, he told Moses, you need to delegate your authority to others. And how is this done? Well, we can find it in Deuteronomy 1, 15. This is what it says. It says, So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, captains over fifties and captains over tens, and officers among your tribes. And I charge your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren, and judge righteously between every man and his brother, and the stranger that is with him. So once again, uh, issues are being resolved, um, you know, uh, controversies and different things. 
And of course, the uh, the captives were divided among, you know, they were thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. It's kind of interesting in that kind of order. I thank God that I'm not a like a mega church pastor. Thousands, you know, I could only imagine. I'm only hundreds, you know, right? A couple hundred, you know, and, and and that's even enough for me. So Moses was in charge of hearing the difficult cases, of course, among the people. Uh, and, and I just want to kind of go into this little part of the, uh, of the of the Torah portion. This is in regard to, of course, the spies and God's punishment. Uh, and so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses... Uh, I'm going to have Ryan read it. Deuteronomy chapter 1, so we can keep it in, in perspective here, keep it in context. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 22 um, through 28. All right, it says here... And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain, and came unto the valley of Eshcol, and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, we would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Wow. So let's keep this in context. This is so relevant for today, you know. So basically, the, uh, the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, approached Moses and said, Hey, can we, can we go spy out the land? Can we go check it out before we go in? Can we just, you know, give a little perspective here? Go check it out. And Moses was like, hey, you know, he says that, uh, and you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and to what cities we shall come. And in verse 23, I love this, and Moses says, well, the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 men of you, one of a tribe. So here's where it went south. This is where it went bad. So those 12 guys go into the promised land, and they see giants, fortified cities, and they freak out. Oh my gosh, we can't take this. Look at all these challenges, you know. And it's the same thing today for those of you listening to this podcast, Christians with Torah. What a lie. Oh, Israel's not safe. It's, there's terrorism, uh, this and that. It's, it, it's no different than back then. If God has promised you the land or promised you to bring you to it and to, and to draw you towards it, why should we be afraid? I don't know, man. If you've been watching the news lately, I'm thinking Israel's looking pretty good. <laughs> so my thing is, and once again, I just want to reiterate how relevant this is. This is 3,500 years ago coming out of Egypt, you know, and here we are coming full circle, Christians with Torah, the non-Jews coming out of the nations just love Israel, love the Jewish people. So I want to keep that in perspective that God didn't say, hey, send them into the land to see if they can take it. No, Guess what? Can any of us do anything on our own in the kingdom of God? It was not, more not of really. like, hey, we're leading a million people or two million people through yeah. this area. 
we kind of need to know the trail. Like, which route are we going to take before we drag all these See, people See, that's a good us. point. Hey, which way should we go and right. what cities we should come upon? Yeah. Uh, and so, once again, this is where the remnant comes into full force and in, 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 in a full flow, you know. So, so just want to reiterate that part of this Torah portion once again that, you know, God didn't promise the seed of Abraham the land for nothing. You know, that's why there's such contention against the Jewish people to take the land. Well, what happens if a bunch of Christians want to move to Israel? You know, yeah, they might just give us three-month visas or whatever, but I'll tell you this, they're gonna, we are a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Especially if we wish to bless Israel and the Jewish people and come alongside and help them and just be a part of the commonwealth of Israel. So, and, and that's already well accepted among many of the Jews there with Christians that would come along and support Israel. They would open, they would open their arms to us. So just keep that in mind, everybody, that, that this isn't about whether you can get the promised land or not or take it. It's promised to the seed of Abraham. And so that's why the natural branches need to get in there and occupy and do the things they do, and we can help them. So I'm going to move on, but th that's exciting. Um, of the original adults who left Egypt, only Caleb, the son of Jephunah, Judah, uh, from the tribe of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Ephraim, were allowed to go into the land. Now, Moses was not allowed to go into the land of promise, and we know why. He struck the rock instead of speaking to it, and that's the charges that were against him. And how many of you know we all have charges against us? Oh, yeah. So what a lesson to be learned, and they're saying that that was a picture of Christ. He should have spoken to the rock instead of striking it. Uh, they say that's a picture of the Messiah, which is interesting. Now, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you guys are familiar that even God told Moses at one time, to strike the rock, not speak to it. That's right, the first so time, yeah. So he kind of reversed the order there. And once again, I love what John Bevere does in his book Undercover, in his series. He says that sin is disobedience, and disobedience is sin. So let's say God just simply tells you to go somewhere or do something, and you don't do it. Well, you sinned. Yeah, absolutely. You, you were disobedient. And, and so Moses was not allowed to go into the land of promise, and the little ones among the children of Israel were allowed to enter the land of promise. So once again, the very little ones that they feared for, their children, were able to, of course, go into the land. So Ryan, what happened to the children of Israel when they went presumptuously up into the land? So this is the story, if you remember, when they said, hey, um, uh, uh, we're just kidding. We, we, we could take it where we're going to go. And so what ends up happening is the, um, the Amorites come against them and chase them out. And they said like bees, chase them like bees. And they destroyed them in Seir, even unto Hormah. So again, um, God, you know, presents his judgment saying this generation's not going to go. They try to go anyway. And God's like, uh, you already missed your chance. I'm not going before you. And how many of you know that we need God to go before us if we're going to do anything for him? We do not want to be doing this on our own, in our own strength, in our own power. Right. right? Let God open up doors. You exactly. Know? That's the thing. Uh, so, so, Ryan, why is it important to have delegated leaders in obedience to God's plan in the last days? I mean, what, what are you saying? Well, first of all, it's about all of us, right? This is not about one single person. It's about we. One single leader. And in order to get anything accomplished, we're going to have to work together. And part of that is a willingness to serve. And in order to keep this service organized so that we can do something substantial, we're going to have to have people that are, are raised up as leaders, leaders of tens, leaders of hundreds, leaders of thousands, you know, and leaders of, of more um, than that. And it, it's going to be imperative in the last days that we understand uh, the concept of authority, that we understand how to 
uh, follow and how to lead. Because even those of us, you know, that are in leadership positions, we have our group that we're leading, but we're also following a bigger leader, right? Or, or, or a higher up, uh, there's a hierarchy right. to things. And so um, it's just like, you know, with your kids, right? The way that you uh, show an example to them is the way that they're going to behave. It's the same idea with, with generic leadership. And, uh, and especially when it comes to doing things for God, um, you know, and for his kingdom moving forward. And so as we look at this, as we have our leaders in our community, we have actually hooked up and we are in covenant with, and we just love Hayovel. It's an organization that's in Israel that's been there for 16 years, helping the Jewish farmers. They're located on Mount Gerizim, and they have, of course, their little uh, United States headquarters in Missouri. But once again, we are coming under their covering and their leadership in order to get into the land and to help and to do things. And so once again, it's, it's about uh, ministries and organizations working together for the common good of the people and to obedience to God's plan. Remember that. In obedience to God's plan. So uh, I want to throw this out to all of you. Uh, so many of us are loving the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement and the lifestyle and all these things. But we got to remember that we need boots on the ground. We need Christians in the land of Israel. Somehow, some way, this has to happen. You know, and right now, everything is shut down. We need to keep Hayovel in prayer because they've actually canceled their harvest season. Uh, for people coming in, uh, they have their immediate family there to do some work. But once again, we need to keep that in prayer. Yeah, that situation's super fluid, man. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, you know, there was a famine, and Abraham had to go down to Egypt. Yeah. Of course, God promised him many things, but he had a circumstance. So we have circumstances right now on the earth, and the travel restrictions and different things. So once again, something to think about. Uh, and it's so important that we understand that, you know. Um, so we're going to check out Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. The journey in the wilderness. And I'm going to get to read that. Ooh. I, I chose myself to read. Ooh. Ooh. And then I'm going to turn it over to Ryan from there. Sweet. This is the journey in the wilderness. This is uh, very relevant for today. And we're going to talk about it. The journey in the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spake unto me. And we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land. No, not so much as a foot breadth. Because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. Ye shall buy meat of them for money that you may eat, and ye shall also buy water of them for money that ye may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And when we passed by from our brethren, the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, through the way of the plain from Elath and from Ezion Geber, we turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given Ar unto the children of Lot for a possession. Interesting. So go ahead and take it from there, Ryan. Uh, once again, 
Don't fight your family. That's right. So the children of Israel were to avoid um, some family members of Abraham. And so um, the descendants of Esau, which were the Edomites, um, and then two sets of the descendants of Lot, which are the Moabites and the Ammonites. And so it's interesting because if we go through, God actually talks about how he had promised these lands to them. And so, um, you know, Israel was to not not fight them on their way through. They were to go around them, avoid them, not distress them, so to speak. So, What kind um, of lesson can be learned from that, Ryan? We, we shouldn't be fighting the church, should we? Ooh, or bashing the church. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we're all in this together. What did Jesus say? Hey, you're not against me. You're for me. That's right. So just a little lesson there. I, I don't want Ryan to share that, but but he didn't. Well, that's a big... That's actually, I mean, I'm just saying, well, how cool is that, that we can just love the church where it's at, go after our inheritance, work together for the common good of the gospel, and do our part with the gospel, you know? Yeah, well, what happens is we end up with friendly fire. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Hebrew roots has a big issue with this because he, here's what happens. And understandably, so like I can understand why people are frustrated with the doctrines that are being taught in churches um, because there's 40,000 denominations. Um, you're going to find something that you don't like, you know? Uh, it just is what it is. It's, it's, it's ripe for the picking. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. It, it's low-hanging fruit. And I think that our mission is not to criticize and to tear down. Um, these people are not... Uh, doing things against you, right? So the idea here is to build them up, to help them, to be a good witness, and to, in the worst case scenario, just go around them, just avoid, right? Just like here, God mind says, your own business. Mind your own. Well, how business. about that proverb? Don't grab a strange dog by its ears. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or or just practice your faith the way you want to practice your faith. Express your faith. This is about you having the freedom to express your faith. Not about you forcing other people to do it your way. That that is so true, Ryan. You know, why get worked up over all this stuff? What can we do to control anything? I can't stop the looters, the protesters. Well, um, that's a whole other side of. The oh, story. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that you know. So so anyway. But yes, all right. So um, in the wilderness, all the men of war died. So this is anybody 20 years old and up that's that, right. that was there at the time the spies came back, except that's for right. Joshua and Caleb. That's right. They're all dead. And of course, you know, 24,000 people died from the, from the plague. Right. Well, so all those 19-year-olds at this point are now turning 59. So just keep that in mind that you've got some 60-year-olds that were just, you know, kids Whenever it was, um, that's a good point. It is, and so, and yeah, then there's true. even Those a whole generation born. That's the leaders, right? There's a whole generation born in the wilderness, um, you know, through through this time period. You know, if you think about the census, though, if those twenty four thousand people would have been obedient, the numbers would have been bumped up. They would have actually increased by, by more than twenty four thousand. Absolutely, they would have had kids. So, yeah. and so all they were that. like a couple thousand short or something like that from the first census, of, as far as people go. Yeah. So in forty years, they lost people. Right. Right, right. Because of plagues and disobedience. Yeah, absolutely. It's no different today, everyone. Stagnated. Right. So uh, King Sihon of Heshbon would not allow the children of Israel to pass through his land, so he was defeated by Israel. And you can find that in chapter 2, verses 26 through 34. Um, you know, not, not real smart for him. Um, and then also Israel took the cattle and the spoil of the cities in verse 35. And so we are moving on to Israel defeats Og in uh, chapter 3. I think we should uh, 
just jump right into that. We don't need to read it, read about defeating Og, but let's just jump right into. So if I remember, Og King Og is the one with the giant bed, right? Oh, it is. It's right here. So, so California King. Duh. So what was the name of the second king that Israel defeated? It was King King Og of Bashan, the, the right. North Country there. And what was Og of Bashan the remnant of? The Nephilim, the giants. Right. So, um, you know, it mentioned uh, here in one of the verses that we just read um, at the beginning of chapter one or chapter two was the Anakim, right? Um, that when they were frustrated, they were thinking the sons of the Anakim being, you know, the, the race of giants. And uh, there's also, I think it was the Rephaim, right? There's a couple couple different names that are used. I think it's either families of giants or tribes of giants or something like that. Yeah, so there's a battle going on before you can get into the promised land. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the minds and hearts, you know. It's the same battle so they we fight took, today. they took care of that northern part of the territory there, Ryan. And that's why King Balak of the Moabites was so concerned that they they were defeated. Now where's his buffer? Where's his protection? Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm just excited that we're here today. And this, you know, the things that I know are going to blow up like real big and they're going to be like this new thing in the earth quote unquote is going to be the relevance of Torah and a love for Israel and the Jewish people and we're going to be sitting here like hey man we've been saying that for 20 years or you know what <laughs> I know and and I'm just and it'll be like an overnight success I know it's coming I know it's coming it's just going to blow up everybody's going to be like yeah Torah and we're all going to be like it's it, think about it yes. right it's, it's not just faith but destiny yeah we have faith, but we have a destiny. Yeah. You know, I, I refuse to sit in my purple chair every week on Shabbat yeah. and sing Kumbaya or Shema. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the purple chairs are pretty nice. They are. We got extra padding on those. I know. They're from Italy. They're, they've been imported. So my thing is, we're, we're living in exciting times. We are. And it's all relevant. We are. Now, my bed isn't quite this this big, but I do, I do, I am blessed to have a king-size bed. Um, that was a gift. Oh, well, it wasn't a gift. It was something I got from, uh, from the, from someone else, but, uh, it's nine, this, the bed of King Og of Bashan, his bed. And this is, they're giving this description because they want you to realize how big he was, but it was nine cubits in length and four cubits in breadth. That's how big his bed was. You know, it's kind of an interesting bed because I don't know what size that would be, but I would say this though. I was checking out my cubit, you know, from my middle finger to my elbow and i think it was 19 inches yeah so, so 18 what's, what's, inches is the standardized so what's what's 19 times nine well it's not 19 times nine it we're talking about if we want to go by cubits well what i'm saying is it's if it's let's say we have an 18 inches which is easier it math would be 19 times nine but it's easier math if i do 18 because that's a foot and a half okay right so then All i just take right. it nine times 1.5 i'll let you do that and then i get 13.5 forget about my personal feet. cubit 13.5 feet. Well, your cubit... 13.5 feet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's almost 14 feet if you count your inches in there. So 14 feet. Yep. That's quite a bed. No, it is quite a bed. Because I'm 5'9". Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd yeah. have like a foot above me and a foot... No, you'd have way more than that. Yeah, I mean, if there was two feet, of me, I would two still of you. have... A... Yeah, two of me. <laughs> Put somebody down there at my feet so I could kick them. So if he was tall enough to take up this entire bed, he would have been 14 feet tall. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty. That's a pretty big guy. Man. Could you imagine? Bed, bath, and beyond having a sale. Well, and just think about how, you know, we go up against, you know, foes, and we're scared to fight, you know, even things that are, are less than us. I mean, we, we get encounter a spider, and we're like, eee, you know, freak out, or like, you know. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the giants, because something just came across my mind here. Think about this. A little download from the Holy Spirit. David could face... Goliath the giant because he even said hey I've killed a lion and a bear and what's this giant 
So, see, we've got to kill the lions and the bears, Ryan. So that way we can slay the giants. That's right. That's right. We all have to prepare. So, especially when the giants are 14 feet tall. Um, so what three tribes received their inheritance east of the Jordan River? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Do you have a map there? It's Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh. So get this little picture here. This is very interesting. I was just looking at this. This is interesting. So we've got Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh. So if you take the uh, Jordan River and go east... To the top, up in the Sea of Galilee, you're going to have East Manasseh. Then you go right underneath that, you're going to have Gad. This is where they were actually camped out. And then underneath that is, of course, Reuben. Well, Gad and Reuben. So Reuben's on the bottom, right above Moab. So it's interesting that Jericho is actually the borderline between Reuben and Gad. So that was to the east, if you think about it in, in topography or geographically speaking, you've got Manasseh in the north. Uh, right going south, you have Gad, and then, of course, Reuben underneath. Yeah, wow. So, wow. Um, you know, it's cool because that, that East Manasseh is a real nice area. Now, here's the thing about this. I believe this is part of the promised land. It really is. It has to be because it talks about the River Euphrates and different things, because that's way east. Well, that for sure is. But yeah. here's, here's some interesting things about this east side. Uh, this is also where you find the east side kosher deli. But... <laughs> Yeah, you like that, huh? There's three cities of refuge on the east. There's the Golan, Ramoth, Gilead, and of course, Bezer. So these are the three cities of refuge to the east, which is still part of Israel's territory even today. I showed a video of a Jeep tour that we did with a bunch of mango trees and everything. It's just a beautiful uh, picture of the east side. And of course, the three cities on the west side is, of course, uh, it's Kadesh, Shechem, and then it is, of course, uh, I do believe it is Hebron. Those are the three cities of refuge on the on the on the on the uh, I west believe, side. I believe you are correct. And for sure, um, when God makes the promise to Abraham, He says, "From the river, the great river Euphrates, to the river of Egypt." So um, all of that land is going to be included in the promised land. And and no doubt. Well, the map we're looking at, where it shows all that land east of the Jordan River that uh, Reuben, Gad, and East Manasseh are in. Um, that's definitely part of, of the promised land. So, I mean, the borders of Israel today that they're even trying to squeeze, it's just, it's just sad to watch, you know, what people are trying to do to Israel. And they're trying to fit it into a modern box. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the next question, Ryan. Did the three tribes have to cross the Jordan and help the other tribes fight in order that they could receive their inheritance as well? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 18 and 20, the answer is yes. And I think there's a lesson there. So here, here's the, 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 the comment that I would like to make for all of you listening that love the Hebrews for the Christian faith, that are Christians with Torah, that believe you're grafted in. This is, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Is it possible that God is going to allow Christians to make some kind of a, a presence in the land of Israel to help the Jewish people or to, to work or live alongside them? Is it possible? Absolutely. You know, even if you get a three-month visa or whatever, I'm just saying, everyone, be praying for this. Because who else is going to help the Jewish people? You know what I mean? Who else is going to come alongside and, and allow them to get the homes they need and the, and, the, and the communities they need to build? So just something to think about. We all want to take a tour. But how many would like to go over there for like three months at a time or this or that? Me. Yeah. Mr. Cabrera's family would love to go. They're on the list. So once again, um, this is something to think about. I was just looking at, I took a picture of it. Christians United for Israel is up to 8 million members. Christian Zionists. That's great. 
But do you actually, do you even have a horse in the race? Right. See, so what are you saying, Pastor? Somehow we got to work together with other ministries and organizations. And, and this isn't to go over there and evangelize, you know, uh, the Jewish people because the gospel's in us. It's around us. Everyone has to make a decision for Christ, but it's about living like Yeshua. I mean, Christians mean little Christ. And so when you have intentions of going over there and just showing unconditional love with mutual respect for Judaism, respecting Judaism and the Jewish people, that's a win-win. And it, I think it's possible. I think there's a lot of organizations that are doing this right now. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Kufi. There's Christians United for Israel, but there's also Christians for Israel communities. Right. Okay. Uh, that's a great organization. Christian Friends of Israeli Communities. Is it Christian Friends of Israeli Communities? So anyway, that's another organization. We've got Hayovel. So there's there's uh, there's quite a few that have uh, Christians with mutual respect for, for the Jewish people practicing Judaism, and we come along there. So you know. I have a question. What religion did Yeshua practice? Oh. Is that controversial? Is that a controversial question? I, you know what? I, I do believe it had something to do with Jews. Judaism? I think so. <laughs> Stop. So here's the question. So who was going to fight for the children of Israel? See, okay, I got to read this verse because it really is a great verse. It's the last verse in this Torah portion, but I think that it's My important. My goodness, that's quick. I know. I know, right? But I think it's important that everybody gets this into their spirit because this is this is the crux of our faith, right? When it comes to, you know, I think that Sometimes our faith is is based on comfort. I was talking this morning with my wife, and, uh, and you know, we were just talking about how. So you guys are on speaking terms again. We've been on speaking terms. <laughs> <laughs> so she um, she and I were talking about how you know a lot of this that people are talking about with eschatology and you know whether or not we're going to go through the tribulation or we're going to be raptured or this or that. You know, we really just have to have strong enough faith to where we count it joy when we encounter you know, trials on behalf of the Lord. Like how many of us are really actually going through a trial because of our faith? Maybe we go through trials because of this or because of that, but we're not really being persecuted. No, we're not. Because of our faith. Not at all. Right. Not at all. And so it's important to recognize that, you know, if the reward is big just for having faith, right? Imagine how big the reward is for, you know, defending the faith with your life, you know, so to speak. But here, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. It's the last verse in this Torah portion. It says, Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And so... Wow, and there's no fear there. There really isn't. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. When we are in the will of God, you got to understand that, that our faith has to be beyond this life. It has to be beyond this flesh. It has to be beyond anything that we can see or perceive in this world, because God knows the end from the beginning. He is outside of space and time. And so when we put our faith in him, we don't have to worry about what happens to us, what happens to our family. We just have to do what he has called us to do. Why? Because he will fight for us when we get that type of faith. Wow, that's good. And this is something for all of us to think about. You know, why don't we start caring about what God cares about? Amen. I mean, don't you think that God wants the Jewish people to have a nation called Israel? Oh. Absolutely. Don't you believe that God would love for Jewish people to make Aliyah, to go back to the land of Israel and inhabit it like he promised them? You uh, know, because yes. you, you reap what you sow. That's right. So think about that. So once again, the, the, the Lord your God is going to fight for the children of Israel. 
And I've got this little discussion question here. Why is it important to know how to do spiritual warfare? And we're not going to go into big details here, but I know that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, we literally put on this armor of God. That's right. And uh, matter of fact, your, your backside's not even protected from, I understand I heard somebody explain the armor, that the way it's set up, you're not even protected from the back. It's a frontal assault. Yeah. So you got you to gotta be going on the offensive and moving forward. You know, I've been watching a lot of these movies about King Henry V and different things, you know, and, and the strategies and different things. And it's very interesting, yeah. you know, to have a strategy, you know, just like uh, King Henry V, you know, he was he was going to send his armored people in uh, as a first wave and then strip everybody of their armor and hit them with the archers. And then they'd be light on their feet because the ground was muddy. So it was all planned before, you know, hey, if it rains, this is our strategy. But it had to rain. Got it. And then they would engage them in their in their military armor, but they would be lightweight. And they would send in the arrows first. And then the battle, they got clogged, you know, they got down in the mud and the cavalry and the horses and all that. So very interesting, you know, about a strategy. And so sure. I want to read this to you because we do have the armor of God. And then, of course, in James 4, 7, we have uh, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So three simple steps. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So some people have come to me, and I'm just sharing this with those of you that are listening. Let's say our heart is right, and we're, we're, we're right there with God. We're submitting ourselves. We're listening to him. We're obeying him. We're doing everything he asks of us to do. That's great. Then all of a sudden, the enemy comes, and you don't even know how he's doing it or what he's doing. And he's pulling his little shenanigans on you. He's, he's crafty. He tries to move through people and do different things. Well, you have to learn how to resist the devil. Why? Because then he will flee from you. Amen. See, Ryan, you could submit to God and still be taken out. You could right. still You could still have some very, very uh, difficult situations. And you so, can resist the devil and still be taken out. And so once again, he God. will flee from you. It's interesting, too, because I, I don't think I even shared this in the book of Deuteronomy, but uh, I know that, um, well, we'll talk about that at the very end. But I want to read, uh, also I would like to read First Peter 5. Verses 8 through 9. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So once again, we do have spiritual warfare. And of course, the Apostle Paul was taught all of this. He was taught church government. He was he was taught the fivefold ministry. He has all these incredible things that we're working on here at Beit Tehillah to flow in our gifts and everything. And of course, uh, the question is, how are you dressed? My father-in-law, Timothy Colbo, shares about how we are to be dressed as priests. And that is our warfare, that we are priests unto God. And so with that comes a great responsibility. Now, as, uh, as we look at this, I just want to remind everyone that the New Testament writers quoted from the book of Deuteronomy nearly 200 times. Is it more than any other book? From my understanding, but this is where it gets to be really good. Christ himself, Yeshua, quoted from it exclusively in his answers to Satan's temptations. Huh. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So once again, uh, the devil comes to tempt Yeshua, and he quotes the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy so well. I tell you, if if, if, it's kind of like you know, remember when Yeshua talks about Jonah, 
And he talks about, well, you know, even Daniel, when you see these things, remember what Daniel wrote. So he's giving credit where credit is due. He's giving credit to like the book of Jonah to Daniel. So just like with him being tempted of Satan, he passed the test. He built up his resistance. And of course, he started his ministry. So my last thought is this, and I'm going to turn it over to Ryan to close it out. My, my last thought is this for all of you that are listening. Um, the question is not how are we to engage the enemy or the culture that we live in, but the question is how will we get our inheritance? Mm. So I'm going to leave it up to Ryan here. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Devarim, or words? Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 22 from a consensus of Ryan's group. That's right. So Me, myself, and I. Me, myself. So that's my I. last thought. I don't have those two, but I know you probably have some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my first one was uh, that, you know, with leadership, if you want to be a good leader, you have to learn to be a good follower because um, even the person who is, quote-unquote, at the top, it has to be submitted to God. And so there's always someone above all of us. And so if you don't understand the concept of being a good servant and being a good witness, then you can't be qualified to be a good leader. So that was the first thing. Um, And then the second thing was that, you know, even though Israel, um, you know, didn't maybe make it into the promised land for 40 years, right? They had to wander around. They did eventually make it. And, and 40 means testing. Right. And it was because they focused on the next generation. And I think that for us, you know, we have to not only be looking for ourselves and growing ourselves, but we have to be focusing on showing the next generation the right way to go and and pointing them towards Jerusalem and showing them the promise and, and showing them, you know, what it takes between now and then to, you know, be faithful and vigilant and building God's kingdom. And so I think the next generation is very important because it's the next generation that we're reading about now, um, listening to these last words of Moses. And it's, you know, because if you think about it, a whole, a whole generation has died in that 40 years. Everyone that was at Mount Sinai was either 19 or younger that's, that's still good. alive today. So if, you know, people, the Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy means second law. But the reason that, that you know, Moses is going through all of this all over again, and everybody's like, man, the Torah is so redundant. You know, you say it all, and then you say it all again, and you say it all again. Well, it's because he's repeating it to generations. And that's a lesson for us that's when true. we're focused on the next generation to teach them, right? You know, teach this. You know, just like we're, you know, next week's Torah portion of the week after, I forget which one it is. I think it might be next week. You know, once we get into the Shema, you know, teach this diligently to your children, right? You know, speak of it when you, you know, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. I mean, this is something that should be on your lips at any given moment that you're prepared to, you know, to speak of what it is that you, um, you, you believe and, and teach it to the next generation so that um, they don't have to go through the same mistakes that we went through and they can take the promised land. Amen. And, and let me just encourage all of you at this time, you know, uh, in your eschatology, you know, is the glass half full or is it half empty? And we've all been taught this. This is basic evangelical eschatology, that the, the Jews are going to go through the tribulation for seven years. There's going to be a temple. There's going to be an antichrist. There's going to be black helicopters. It's going to be mayhem. And we're going to be raptured out of here. The church isn't going to be no part of this. But what if this scenario doesn't play out? Because I, I've seen quite a few verses of people going through the tribulation. 
I mean, this is what I see. Yeah. So, so once again, if, 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 and I'm not against the rapture per se, but what, what if the, if, if the Lord wants to come and take us, so be it. But don't you think we should check the scriptures out and go after our inheritance? Well, and it's not, it's the cowering down. We need to occupy. We need to be active. I like what you say, Ryan. What are you doing with your life? Yeah. Well, it's more simple you know? than Everybody's just... Everybody's talking, but there's nobody's walking. Just because here's what, what, you know, even Jedlical Christianity, what we've been teaching and what we've been learning all this time is that, well, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and therefore he's going to protect me from all of that. But what if you're his hands and feet in the midst of all of this? Right. Are you a good servant? And yeah. so, you know, there's an opportunity for us to, you know, be proved through the fire. Take up your cross and follow me. Amen. That doesn't sound like take up a purple chair and sit in. Uh, it's just it's just not it, it it's just a different paradigm. We got to right? be active. We got to be doing something. You know, we're talking about count it all joy when you encounter trials and tribulations. But yet somehow if the great tribulation could be our quote unquote great joy and somehow we're trying to avoid that. You know, it's, it's like I said there's two classes of people in the last days, Ryan. Those that are fearful and those that are encouraging those that are fearful. If yes. you go into Daniel eleven thirty five and thirty six, verse thirty six, there's a there's a switch here. It goes from the time of Antiochus to this. Then the king will do as he pleases. This is the Antichrist. Yeah. But then it takes you through that chapter eleven, finishes it out, and shows you all the things he's going to do, line upon line, precept, precept upon precept. precept. But then we get into, and I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit here. Daniel twelve three. Not going to open it up. There'll be those who will lead many to righteousness. Come they on. will shine brightly like the firmament. Well, even Yeshua quotes that in the gospel. So, so who are these people? Yeah. Why are they still here? Right. They're going to lead many to righteousness. So who are these people? It's us. That's right. That's a good word, Ryan. It is. It is. Praise God. All right. So I think we gave you guys a lot to think about. We're starting Deuteronomy. This is a, uh, you know, we're, we've turned the last corner in the race. And if you know anything about uh, horse racing, you know that that last leg after they turn corner four, that's where everybody has to speed up and give it all they got, you know? So uh, praise God for that. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can reach me at ryan at twopraise.net. That's my email address, ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. And then uh, if you guys want to live stream the services, you can do it on any of our social media platforms, on YouTube, on Facebook, and Instagram, and even at our website at twopraise.net. Thank you all of those of you that are giving on our website at the donate button or on the give button there at the top. Um, we just greatly appreciate it. We're so thankful for those of you that are giving. Um, you know, it really means a lot to us that we can continue doing this week in and week out because of your giving. So praise God. We love you. Bless you. Have a great week.